0: Good morning, Harmony. Morning. How y'all doing?
1: Great.
0: Great. Guys, have a good week. Yeah. Anybody uh, spend too much time watching college basketball this week? There's no sports fans in this church, and you guys just break my heart every year on that. Um, you know, it's funny actually. Now that I have two younger ones, I actually don't get the time to watch the games as much as I used to. Uh, did you guys know that Thursday and Friday are two of the biggest work ditch days? in America. Uh, the top three are the Monday after Super Bowl, and then the Thursday and Friday of March Madness. So for any of you that are employers, if you had employees out Thursday and Friday, you now know why. They were at home filling out their March Madness brackets and playing around. Uh, we are continuing on in our series, I Am Harmony. Let me first apologize to you guys, I am not wearing a jacket today, which really bugs me. Uh, what happened this week is I took all of my jackets in to get cleaned and then forgot that I had taken them all in to get cleaned. (laughs) Until about last night, I was like, what am I gonna wear tomorrow? So I was (laughs) putting my stuff on, I'm like, Oh, no. All the jackets are gone. I did have a few jackets, but they're the ones that I used to wear when I was skinnier. Uh, So tried those bad boys on and did did the whole Tommy Boy fat guy in a little coat thing, you know? You know when you can't button it, like the buttons only get to about here? It's not a good look. Uh, So I'm going jacketless and casual today. Um, So we're going to have fun. We're in the middle of our series, I Am Harmony. We've been talking about, do you go to church? Or are you the church? And there's a big difference between going to church and being the church. Going to the church is being a consumer. That's you showing up going, what can I get from the church? What does the church have for me? Is it entertaining? Is it inspiring? Is it fun? Does it have a children's program that keeps my kids busy? Does it have all these checklist things I'm looking for? And frankly, you're coming to take from the church. That's why a lot of times these days we don't have great unity in churches because we shop. We're shopping from one to the next, to the next, to the next, and as soon as a new one pops up that's prettier or cooler or has better stuff, peace out, I'm going to go check that one out. Well, God goes, I I don't want a church full of consumers. You are the church. You're to come to church not to be spectators but to be participants. You're to come to church to be part of the group that's worshiping God. To be part of the group that's serving the community. To be part of the group that is understanding and reading the Word. You're not here to watch me. You're here to worship God. And so what God wants to see is that we are Harmony Baptist Church, not just that we go to Harmony Baptist Church. And what that means is different for you guys is, is when you see something here at this church that's missing or deficient or not as it should be, you don't just go, eh, you know, the staff really needs to get on that. Wish Pastor Luke's would fix that. You need to go, you know what? I'm part of the body. I'm going to step up, I'm going to stand up, I'm going to fix that. If God's put it on my heart and He's put me here, there's an opportunity for me to make a difference here. And so our desire is when we look at this room, that while we be a small church, that when we look at the 70 people in this room, we go, this is 70 people who are going to use their creativity, their intelligence, their wealth, their talents, and their gifts, and their time to accomplish the mission that God has given us. And if that truly ever happens, where we're looking at 70 people willing to do that, to give of all those things, the world better watch out. Because this little church will set the community on fire with love for God. The problem is, is if we aren't that, if we're just consumers, we won't set anything on fire. We'll come, we'll take, we'll evaluate, and when we find something better, we'll move on. And frankly, that's what we see happening in America. It's why people don't care about going to church anymore. But like, frankly, guys, I can listen to really great pastors online anytime I want to. And I can listen to really good Christian music online anytime I want to. And I can give my money to really great causes online anytime. So unless you're here to be part of something, unless you're here to be part of a relationship, there's better ways to do all that entertainment stuff. And so we want to see a spirit here where we realize we are members of the body of Christ. And so I've asked you, I've said, there's three things to keep in mind for this series. The first, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 14. Paul's teaching about the church and he says this. He says, for in one spirit, We were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. So what's he saying? He's saying all these things that used to divide us, whether it was your nationality or your ethnicity or your socioeconomic background, all those things that used to divide you are gone because you have one spirit, the spirit of God that lives within you. And that spirit brings all these different parts together to form one body. And every piece of that body is valuable. Every piece of that body has a job. I love the analogy that he uses of talking about your being the eye or being the toe because it's so true. Have you ever like hurt your toe and it ruins your whole week? Like you realize, I can't do anything with this one little body part in pain. I am now a, a blubbering mess. Because this one little piece that I hardly ever think about, I never really take care of, I never really put energy towards, it is now not functioning, and the whole body doesn't move like it used to. You ever have those moments? That's what God wants us to be like. We're a body of believers, and if one of our lives starts to fall out of sync, the rest of the body feels it. The rest of the body tries to pick up the slack for that. That's what he wants to see. And then he reminds us, that spirit that God unites us with, it's not a weak spirit. It's a spirit of what? Of power, of love, and of self-control. And so we talked about this previously, but each and every one of you that claims to be a believer that claims to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, not just that He's your Savior, but that He's your Lord. Every single one of you should be able to look in the mirror and go, I see power, I see love, and I see self-discipline. Not from you, but from Him. Because He's saying, He's put that Spirit in you. So brothers and sisters, if He's put it there, it will show. You can't hide it. And so when you think about that power, that there's this group of people from different places, different backgrounds, all united in one spirit of power, love, and self-discipline, my goodness, that should be an awesome group of people. And frankly, it has been. Throughout history, Christianity has been this unbeatable force that no one can kill. You look at right where it was after Jesus died, and you have about a hundred people who will call themselves followers of Christ. A hundred people. And that one hundred people has both the Jewish Pharisees and Sadducees trying to wipe them out, and also the Roman Empire trying to wipe them out. Anyone who would do that story would go, well, that's easy, they're going to lose. A hundred nobodies versus the Jewish authorities in the Roman Empire? They can't last. But here was the difference. Those 100 people, do you know what they had? They had that spirit. They had a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. And all of a sudden, those 100 people turned into 3,000 people, and then 30,000 people, and then 50,000 people, until the Roman Empire itself became a Christian empire. When you have people with the Spirit of God in them, it doesn't matter how small they are. That Spirit will overcome all. And that's what we want to start seeing here at Harmony, is that Spirit of God on fire, bursting out into everything that we do. Where people look at us and go, those people walk with Christ. And so I've asked you to really think about our mission statement. Our mission statement at this church came from us looking at the Bible and saying, what does God say the church is supposed to be? And so we said, we are building a family of disciples that love God, love people, and follow Jesus. And so as we've been going through this series, we've been looking at each of those pieces. We looked at building a family, we looked at what discipleship meant, we looked at loving God, and today what we're focusing on is loving people. Now, loving people is harder than loving God. So last week, when we talked about loving God, I went and said, hey, it's easy to love God because He's awesome. He created you. He made you. He loves you. He saved you. Everything He does is brilliant, awesome, and perfect. The guy's amazing. If you will just spend any time looking at God, the only thing you can be left with is going, man, it's taking my breath away. He is just an awesome, unbelievable, amazing God. He's awesome. The problem with this week is if you do the same thing with people, you will be more left with, they're stupid, they're mean, they're selfish, they're rude, they're unbelievable, capable of messing up everything and everything they do. Um, they're really just kind of a pain. And no, I'm not talking... Well, yes, I'm talking about you
1: guys.
0: (laughs) The hard part about people is we've lied to ourselves in our society and we've said, people are naturally good. People are not naturally good. They're just not. I have two little people in my house that remind me of that every single day, okay? Jake, I love the little dude and he he gives me my happiest moments every day because every day when I pull up to the house, the front door opens and those little toddler feet start sprinting towards me. And it is the best part of my day. But that little dude is selfish. That little dude is driven by his own desires, and despite the fact that his mommy and daddy have provided for every need that he's ever had, that we've given him food, toys, clothing, shelter, anything he could imagine, things he didn't even know existed, he still regularly wants to go, I'm going to do it my way. Oh, you don't want me to color on the wall, daddy? What do you think about that? Real story, that happened this week. (laughs) <laughs> it's funny with children how they can have the same parents and the same DNA but they're not the same yeah. Tyler, Tyler's our Mr. Rule Follower so if you tell Tyler don't do something you don't need to worry about it, he's not going to do it Jake is the boundary tester <laughs>
2: the
0: right he, he is going to try everything Okay. so he wrote all over our walls for us and, and then he got mad and upset and we still have to discipline him on it regularly It's like, how many times, kid, am I going to have to spank your bottom before you realize crayons don't go on the wall? It's like, this is the 10th time. Do we need to do an 11, 12, 13? And the answer is yes. The answer is yes. So the difficulty with people is we're not awesome. In fact, we have a lot of problems. We have a lot of flaws. So how is it that we as people become someone who love People. And so I'm going to give you a few tips on how we can do that. First, we love people because God loves people. Okay? We love people because God loves people. Have you ever noticed when you really fall in love with somebody, you start to take on their interests? ever seen that start to happen? I'll, I'll, I'll never forget, it was um, about four years ago, um, my wife was about six months pregnant and somehow I had taken this girl who'd never seen any superhero movies who'd never spent any time reading comic books and I had gotten her to the point that she agreed to go to a three movie marathon of all the Batmans back to back to back from like six to midnight and she was even wearing a Batman shirt I remember seeing that and I was like I did good I did good This woman didn't even care about superhero films and here she is in a room full of nerds watching nine hours of movies wearing a Batman shirt and she's pregnant. She did not want to be there. How'd that happen? (coughs) It happened not because she started loving those things, it happened because she goes, this stupid loser I married loves them and if he loves them, well guess what, I'm going to love them too. And throughout our relationship, there's all kinds of things that I now go like, man, I used to never care about these things. I never even used to know about these things. And now I care, I know, and I pay attention to them. Why? Not because all of a sudden they became cool, but the woman I love cares about them. So if it matters to her, it now matters to me. And so that's ultimately the first place we start with loving people. We love them because we go, God, I'm obsessed with you. You are awesome. Every time I'm around you, God, my heart is full. Every time I see what you've done, I am amazed. God, I just want to bring you joy. God, what's important to you? Do you know what God always answers? People. You want to know what's important to me, son? People. You want to show me you love me? You go love them. And so the first place we start is not that people are deserving of love, but that my God, who is, has asked me to love people. So the first place we start. Look at John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So let's talk about God's love. We talked last week, remember, people stink with using the word love. We use it for everything. We use it for favorite foods. We use it for favorite shirts. We use it for favorite colors. We use it for favorite sports teams. We use it for our children and for our spouses. That should not be the same word used to describe all those emotions. Well, God goes, here's how much I love them. I love them so much, I took my one and only perfect son who deserved nothing but glory. And I let him come to earth. I let him get tormented. I let him get... Ridiculed. I let him get beaten and I let him die because I love them so much. That's how much I love these people. And then he looks at us and he goes, I want you to love them that way too. So think for a second just how far we are from God and our love for people. Right, how many of you struggle loving people while you're driving every day? if I could see the emotions of your heart you know like on Facebook when you see the videos and you can see like the little hearts coming right like people love this video would I see hearts coming out of your car as you're driving at 5 o'clock in San Antonio I'm not thinking so I'm thinking I'd see that little red emoji face that's just angry and looks like it's going to blow up that's what I think I would see coming out of your vehicles as we were driving Now, think about that for a second, right? Our God is nailed to a cross, bleeding, ridiculed, beaten, dying, and in pain, and looks at his children and goes, forgive them. They don't get it. Father, they don't know what they're doing. And you and I can't show a little love to the guy that cut us off in the car, because that's probably going to take 10 seconds off my arrival time. Do you see the distance there? It's unreal. He's loving at such a magnitude, it's it's beyond us. And so sometimes what we've got to remember is, I'm not going to love you because you deserve it. I'm not going to love you based on what I think is love. I'm going to love you based on what He did there. I'm going to remember that it was my God, who I love more than anything in this world, that died for you. If He can do that for you, I can probably find some love in my heart for you. If He was willing to do that, I should be willing to do so much less. And so that's where we start, is we go, God loves these people and He sacrificed for them. If I'm going to walk with God and say, I am God's child, how can I not do the same? Look at 1 John 4, 7. Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. So when God talks about loving people, do you know why he does it? Because he's love. Not because we're awesome, but because he is. And what God's saying to us is, guys, if you belong to me, I am love. That means you need to look like love too. The number one thing people should see of you is you are an embodiment of love. Now let me be clear here. This is God's love. Meaning it is a powerful, life-changing force that stands for right, not wrong. See, we've even kind of ruined love in that even when we're talking about it the right way, we've missed what it is. Love is not me just compassionately giving you permission to do whatever you want. Love is not just me accepting you and all your sin and everything you are and saying everything is great. Love is, I will sacrificially do what's beneficial for you, no matter what. Now that's the hard part. Sacrificially beneficial. I hate spanking my children. I hate it. But I do it. Why? Because I believe if I don't, they will grow up to be spoiled children who will not know discipline, will not know right or wrong, and they will not abide by what God's laws or rules are. So though I hate it in the moment, I do it because it's beneficial for them. That sacrifice. It would be much easier, on my heart, to never do that. Much easier. I'd love to not discipline them. I'd love to buy them stuff all the time. Man, especially when they're under five, you can buy them a five dollar thing and it makes their day. But you know what you start to realize? You do that too often, all of a sudden they start to expect. Everywhere they go, they get stuff. Everywhere they go, it's about them. Everywhere they go, it's about material possessions. And you start to go, am I really showing love here? I'm creating a materialistic, selfish, greedy individual. And I'm saying I'm doing that out of love. No, I'm not. I'm doing what's easy and pleasurable to me. Not what is sacrificially beneficial to them. And the same thing goes for this family. We've been talking this about a leadership team. One of the struggles we have right now is we have about 100 people here every weekend. Only about 50 of them have signed covenants to be members of this church. The reason those covenants are important to us are for two reasons. One, they show that you know what we believe at this church, you know what we're trying to do at this church, and you've said, I want to be part of that. The second reason it's important is besides the beliefs and mission is that you're saying, I'm part of this family. Which means from that point forward, we're going to hold each other accountable, both good and bad. I'm going to expect you to be there to share my joy. I'm going to expect you to be there to help me with my pain. And I'm also going to expect that if I start messing up my life, that you love me enough to go, Luke, you've got to get back on the right path, brother. (laughs) A lot of us don't do that anymore. We'll sit here and we'll watch our brothers and sisters go down the wrong path. And we'll talk about it, just not to them. Because, man, that would be an uncomfortable conversation. Well, who am I to say anything? I'm not perfect. I've got my own flaws. You know what all that is? It's junk. It's selfish reasons to not have the right conversation with people because you don't want to get to difficult territory. You don't want to do what's hard. Me and my wife talk about this all the time with me at work. I manage people, which means I get to have fun conversations, and it means I get to have unfun conversations. And you know what's always amazing? I always find excuses to delay the unfun conversations. Oh, well, you know, I just couldn't find time today, Yeah, was jam-packed, had a bunch of meetings, got away from me, there really wasn't a good moment, I'll do it tomorrow. And it's real easy to keep finding those excuses to do that every day, but you know what it doesn't do? It doesn't fix anything. It doesn't help them, it doesn't help me, it doesn't help our relationship. All it lets happen is for the wrong things to continue to move forward. We're a family. I hope you want the rest of the body of believers in this room to be people who love you enough that if you're on the wrong path, they won't just sit there and go, bye. But they will get up, they will move on to that path And they will tell you, stop. You are not going the wrong way. Take my hand. Let's go back and get on the right path. That's love. That's real love. And frankly, what's sad for us specifically here at Harmony is, there's no reason not to. If we were at a 10,000 people church, it's impossible for me to know all your names. It's impossible for me to know what's going on in your lives. It's impossible for me to look at you and go, you're having a bad week. And I know that because I've seen you have good weeks and I've seen you have bad weeks. And I know that's a fake smile. I love you enough that I'm going to dig into that and say, hey, what's really going on? But look around this room, folks. You can know everybody's name in this room you see these same people week in and week out, you should be smart enough to look across the room and go, Steve's lying to me. He said it was a good week, but it wasn't. Brother, talk to me. What's going on? But do we do that? We say we love each other, but do we? I love that if I walk into my parents' house, my mom can look at me and go, what's wrong? And I can go, oh, nothing, and she'll go, boy, don't lie to me. <laughs> what happened this week? because she knows me that well. That's what we should see here. We should see a group of people that because they are driven by the love God has for His children, they love each other. That should be the force that's driving us. Look at John 4 as he continues. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Do you understand the power of that statement? God is saying if you want to truly clearly understand and know me better love people because as you love people you will start to get who I am I'll tell you it's true there are those times I've had to love those people it's hard and I realize man my God is an awesome person because everything inside of me is, is dark and ugly right now on this topic and he He's just pouring out so much more for them. Here I am holding a grudge. Here I am resentful of something. Here I am over these petty little things. And God's looking at them and so much more that they've done to Him and just going, I love you, be my child. It's in those moments you truly start to understand just how lovingly awesome your God is. So the first reason we love people is, Because the God we love, loves people. The second reason we do it is, God tells you to. Now this sounds a little bit like how I talk to my kids, right? Why do I need to do that? Because Daddy said so. Right now I'm really having to explain to Tyler, Daddy's the boss. So that means Daddy can say, do, whatever Daddy wants. And just because Daddy can say and do it, doesn't mean Tyler can say or do it. And where he's really struggling with this concept is when it comes to disciplining his brother. (laughs) He sees me discipline in a certain way to Jake, and then he assumes, well, this is how we handle these situations. (laughs) So he sees Jake do the same thing, and he decides, we don't need Dad. I can take care of this. And he's had to learn that's not the right way to handle it. With kids, we teach them, right? Eventually, I just need you to do it because I've asked you to. I don't have time to explain to you the logic. I don't need to explain to you the morality or the ethics behind it. I need you to do what I have asked you to do because I've asked you to do it. And ultimately, brothers and sisters, what we need to understand is we're truly Christians. We understand that our God is not a one-time Savior. He's an everyday Lord. Which means He, every single day, is leading you. And when He tells you to do something, because He's Lord and your servant, you say... Yes, Lord. We don't like this. We right now as Christians want God to explain to us why we should have to do something. Motivate me to want to do it. Or you know what? God, I'm going to wait till my heart changes and until I feel you speaking to my heart. And when I feel that happen, then I'm going to do these things. No! Nowhere in the Bible do you see God say, obey me when you feel like it. Obey me when your heart is warm around that topic. God says, obey me. Simply obey me. And he even ties it back to love. He says to us in John 13, 34-35, listen to this. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples, if you have love for one another. Later he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll do what I tell you to do. And ultimately, brothers and sisters, why this ties to love is it goes back to the relationship we have with him. Do you truly believe that your God is awesome, almighty, perfect, and flawless? If you do, then what you believe is is when he tells you to do something, whether you want to or not, it's the right thing to do. And so despite how you may feel, despite whether you think it's logical, despite whether it's what you want to do or not, you're going to go, Father, in this moment, I have faith in you. And though I don't feel like it, though I don't know if I want to, because you, because you have asked me, I will. And I do this, Father, because I love you. Do you notice in the first two reasons, we have yet to mention anything about people deserving to be loved? God goes, guys, this is not about whether they deserve it. This is about, one, do you love me? And two, do you look like you're part of my family? None of this has to do whether the people actually deserve to be loved or not. It's about, do you love your God? Do you obey Him? And does He love people? If the answers to those are yes, then you need to love people. And what's cool is God makes it so clear for us. He doesn't try to cloud anything. They talk to him and they go, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? What is the most important thing? And what does he say? Love God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. And the second is like it. Love your neighbors as yourself. And then he says, all the law and all the prophets hang on these two things. That statement, all the law and all the prophets, refers to all of Scripture. He's saying the whole Bible is about two things. Love God, love people. That's it. That's it. So guys, if you don't love people, like half the Bible you're just throwing out. Half of God's wisdom, half of God's knowledge, you're just saying, I have no part in it. And God goes, no, that's not acceptable. We love because God loves people. We love because God has asked us to love. And the third reason we love is we love because we are loving. What God teaches us about love and it's a beautiful and wonderful thing is is God loves me not because I deserve it. He loves me because He is love. Now at first that kind of hurts your feelings. Right? Because in our culture We love people because they deserve it, right? I love my wife because when I look at her and when I'm around her, she creates something in me that no other human being on earth can. And so I have given her a level of love, devotion, and sacrifice I give to no one else because to me, she is the most special person on this planet. And that's what makes it cool is that you have these two people looking at each other going, you're the coolest human being alive. Now we all know that's a false statement. You guys know I'm not the coolest human being alive. She doesn't. That's good for me. I think she's the coolest human being alive, and you guys would probably go, no, she's not. And that's okay, because I do. And that's what makes it special. So what's funny, though, is we want that to be the way it works with us and God. God loves me because I'm better than everybody else. No. God loves you because he's God. And the reason that's better than being deserving of love is it's more consistent. In America right now, our divorce rate's at about 45% that means for about 45 percent of our people at one point they looked at a human being and went you're the coolest human being alive and then later went no you're not let's not do this anymore because you're not really that cool in fact you kind of stink really don't want to be around you anymore and so the problem when love is conditional is that conditions change so when you make mistakes when you fail when you screw up guess what happens people go "Oh." changes the way I think about you. I don't know if you deserve my love anymore. See, I was loving you before because I had this picture of who you were and what you were capable of and what you did. And now that you've done this, I realize that was stupid. I I realize that was wrong. You're not any of those things. So you know what? I'm rescinding my love. You don't get it anymore. Because you don't deserve it. Can you imagine living, knowing that you had to earn God's love? Think, every time you sinned, you'd have to wonder, like, is He going to leave me now? Am I still good enough? Have I done enough that He still calls me His child? Imagine when you really mess up. Imagine you murder someone. Imagine you go to jail. Imagine you kill somebody. Imagine you ruin your relationship. Imagine you, you mess up as a parent. You'd always be wondering, like, is there any good that I can do that will overcome this? How would you ever know where you stand with him? You wouldn't. That's so, why like, the Pharisees and all the people that followed them had stressful lives. Because they were always wondering, am I good enough? Have I done enough? Am I right? But God goes, He goes, children. Stop worrying about that. You could never earn what I'm going to give you. Never. But I have chosen to love you because I am love. And guess what? I don't change. So no matter what mistake you make, no matter how much you fail, no matter how much you fall, I will still be here. I will still love you. I will still call you my child, and I will still pick you back up. And so what's awesome about God is, is because it's unconditional love, it is pure, it is perfect, it is abundant, and it is always, always there. And in turn, what God then asks you and I to do, because we now have His Spirit in us, is that He asks you and I to go love people like He loves people. Which means go love people not because they deserve it, but because inside of you beats a chest or a heart full of love. You love because you're loving, not because they deserve it. And what's brilliant is, is if you truly have the relationship with God where you know, I I do not deserve what God has given me, (coughs) I don't deserve any of it, then it makes it real easy for you to go to other people who don't deserve love and give it away too. Because you realize, I've been given so much that I never could have earned. Of course I'm going to give it to other people. The problem with love is is when you think you've earned it, you don't want to give it away. Because you go, do you realize what I had to do to get this? I worked hard for this. I've sacrificed for this. I'm not giving it to anybody unless they sacrifice for it, unless they work for it. And what God wants us to be is people that go, that's silly. He is freely and abundantly given to me when I never deserved it. So I will freely and I will abundantly give it away to others. Love will be a hallmark of my life. Let me give you one last passage here. 1 John 4, 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love continues in 419. We love because He first loved us. What I love about loving people is when you and I become folks that just spread love, do you know what we're doing? According to verse 418, we're eliminating fear. When we go into this world and we just love people, we are wiping away fear that hurts, punishes, and restricts so much. When you can be that kind of loving light in the midst of darkness, it doesn't just change life for one or two people. It changes everything. It changes absolutely everything. How you need to view loving people is, is that you're this cup that was empty and God is just pouring His love into you so much so that it's just overflowing. And so literally anywhere you go Love just spills out. It just spills out. Why? Because your God just keeps filling you up. And so brothers and sisters, please, find ways to love. Not because people deserve it, but because your God has asked you to do that. And if we can do that, there's no limits to the impacts that we can make in the hearts of the people around us. We're about to take the Lord's Supper, and what I'm going to ask you to do as we're getting prepared is to have a conversation with your God about how He loves you and about what opportunities you have to love people in your life. The world we live in is a dark place right now. It's full of hate. It's full of anger. It's full of people just always looking to lash out. What's beautiful about that darkness is is it creates the perfect opportunity for our lights to shine and to point people to Christ. As we take the Lord's Supper, it's important to remember a few things. One, Lord's Supper is for those that have repented of their sins and have acknowledged them before God. So as we're getting prepared, if there's anything you haven't asked God for forgiveness on, if there's anything that you haven't given over to Him, please do that. Or otherwise, don't take the cup and you take that priority to sit with him and to talk about that. Second, the meal is supposed to be shared between a family that is showing love to each other. And so if there's any resentment, if there's any unforgiveness where we're refusing to make a relationship in this family right, you should not partake in the cup today. And you should focus on making those relationships right. And third, this is a cup that's to be shared with believers. This isn't just bread and wine. This is the representation of the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. This is us proclaiming that He is not only our Savior, but our Lord. And that He died on the cross, and He spilt His blood to wash us clean. And so when we take this, it's us proclaiming that relationship with Him. So if you're not a believer, we ask you to not partake in the cup as well. I'm going to ask those who are helping with the Lord's Supper to go ahead and come up. I'm going to ask everybody to stand and just take a few moments in prayer as we get everything prepared. until he comes again. Heavenly Father, we pray over this bread, and we pray, Lord, that you remind us that this is your broken body, that you, Father, in sacrificial love, came to this earth and took on the punishment that each and every one of us deserved, that you, Father, in loving sacrifice, put yourself in our shoes, and you paid the price that we deserve to pay. We thank you, Lord, for that amazing sacrifice, and we thank you, Lord, That you've given us so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 14 and as they were eating he took bread and after blessing it broke it and gave it to them and said take this is my body as a family let us eat then says and then he took a cup and when he had given thanks he gave it to them and they all drank of it and he said to them this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we take this cup, may we remember that it represents your blood. Your wonderful blood, Father, that has washed us clean of all of our sin. Your wonderful blood, Father, that has united us as a family. Your wonderful blood, Father, that gives us a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. Father, we are so thankful that not only did you take on our punishment, but that you also gave us your righteousness. That you, Father, not only have given us innocence, but you've given us a seat at your table in your kingdom. That we, Father, get to be your children is the most amazing thing. We love you, Lord. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. tells us that after they had taken bread and drink that they together sang a hymn. And so as we stand here, we're going to ask Marie to close us with a closing song as we sing in joy to our Lord, remembering the amazing love and sacrifice that he has given to each and every one of us. Marie. people said? Amen. What a good song. And we are a lucky people to have such an awesome God that we get to love and to serve. As always, it's such a blessing to be here in this house with you. Uh, I love being in this place and I love worshiping with you guys. I hope you have a great week. Remember, show people in your words and your actions. You love God, you love people, and you follow Jesus. And parents, go home and you read those Bibles to those kiddos, alright? You guys have a great week.
3: never ours to swing jesus friend of sinners the truth's become so hard to see the world is on their way to you but they're tripping over me always looking around but never looking up i'm so double-minded Plank-eyed saint with dirty hands And a heart divided Oh, Jesus, friend of sinners Open our eyes to the world At the end of our pointing fingers Let our hearts be led by mercy Help us reach with open hearts. of sinners break our hearts for what breaks yours
2: Remember, we are all the least of these Let the memory of your mercy bring your people
1: to their knees
3: Nobody knows what we're for, only what we're against when we judge the wounded What if we put down our signs, crossed over the lines and love like you did No